0: Lindsay Berra and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. Today, we're talking with American distance runner and former professional triathlete Gwen Jorgensen. During the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, she won the USA's first ever gold medal in triathlon. That Olympic distance includes a 1.5 kilometer swim, a 40 kilometer bike, and a 10 kilometer run. That's 0.93 miles, 24.8 miles, and 6.2 miles. In 2017, Jorgensen gave birth to her son, Stanley, and announced her retirement from triathlon. Now, at age 35, she has turned her attention solely to running, often hitting 100 miles per week with the goal of becoming an Olympic marathoner. Hi. Hey, Gwen. How are you? Good. How are you? I am just peachy. Where are you right now? I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And you
1: guys have been moving around a lot lately. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, We were kind of trying to decide where to live. And this is actually where my coach is now, my new coach, Bobby McGee, and quite a few sponsors, actually, as well, which is kind of fun to be around. Sponsors Alan Lim with Scratch Labs is actually here. He goes in some of my training runs, which is fun. But Yeah. We had originally, my coach originally was like, don't move to Boulder. And we traveled around and looked at all these different places. And then we're like, let's just check out Boulder. And we did. And we loved it. So yeah, it's been a good fit. Um, my husband's an agent. And so like just being kind of in the endurance world here is nice. And then to have my coach here, it's, it's been really nice. Yeah. So is this permanent for you now? Well, permanent ish? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we said we wanted to move somewhere where that we thought we'd be forever. And so, or we could see ourselves forever. So yeah, I mean, we're renting right now. Um, we sold our house in Portland. We know that we don't want to be there and we're looking at houses. So yeah, we kind of, we like how easy it is for one thing that I've always said is I, I said that I need my family to live near me. And my husband said, that's realistic and unrealistic. And he said, we should have, we should change that to like, what is the actual need? And the actual need is having access to family. And with Denver so close, it's really easy to have access to family. So it seems like a really good, good option for us. What other places did you try between Portland and Boulder? We looked at Bentonville, Arkansas, which is not as Arkansas, as you're probably thinking, but it's, uh, it's actually, it's like the headquarters of Walmart and it's just, it's this little kind of utopia and they have built it up so that there's tons of mountain biking trails. So it's known for mountain biking. They've had like mountain biking world championships there and just unlimited mountain biking trails. And just a cute town, kind of small, good weather. So it had a lot of things that kind of ticked our boxes. We looked at Asheville. We looked at Charlottesville. We looked at so many places I can't even remember. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. But now you've, how long have
0: you been in Boulder for now? We moved here September 1st. Okay. And so what was the city you were in immediately prior to? Portland. Portland. So you've picked up some considerable altitude (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How, how is that treating you?
1: Yeah. You know, normally I've trained at altitude previously with the Bowerman track club, and I actually haven't responded very well to it. And this level of altitude, I find that I'm actually recovering. Like my resting heart rate has come down at night. And so I see that myself like recovering and I actually don't even think about or notice the altitude anymore, because I kind of call this home. Like when you live somewhere that is at altitude and you call it home, you kind of forget about it almost.
0: Yeah. And especially if you've been there for a little while and your body has had that time to adapt, it always takes me like X number of sleeps to adapt to it. But if you're sleeping
1: there all the time, then you're golden, right? Exactly. Yes. (laughs) The first week was pretty (laughs) rough, but yeah, I feel good now. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: So you were a competitive swimmer growing up and an all-American track athlete in college, and you've been pretty public about saying that triathlon found you rather than you choosing it. How did that all happen?
1: USA Triathlon has a college recruitment program. And back in the day when I was in college, Barb Lindquist was the head of it, and she She contacted me and, you know, we met at like some NCAA meets and they look for people who are good runners with a swimming background or good swimmers with a running background. And I swam and ran division one at the university of Wisconsin. So I met that criteria really well. And Barb just, she was the most amazing woman, she became my mentor and she didn't push me. Like she told me I should do triathlon. And I just said, absolutely not. I'm never doing that. But she called me every single week. And this, you know, it was while I was still in college and she didn't push it after that. She just was checking in, seeing how I was doing. And, you know, I just told her, like, I tried to be a professional athlete in swimming. I tried it and running, like, I'm not going to make it. And I said, you know, I want to be this independent woman. I don't want to, like my parents were like, do triathlon, live at home. It's fine. We'll help you. I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not doing that. I need to be able to, you know, have a career. And I had my CPA license and I had this job lined up with Ernst & Young as a tax accountant. And so, yeah, I... I just continued to do that. And, and Barb continued to call me and she's like, well, it seems like you're still being active. And I'm like, yeah, I'm always going to be active. I'm always going to work out. And she's like, well, what if I got you a bike for free? And you just learned to bike. And it was crazy because within a year I qualified for my first Olympics. So, I mean, Barb, I attribute it getting into triathlon all to Barb and just her approach and, and sticking with me and and not, you know, after I said, absolutely not, not just giving up, but also not pushing me. She just was this, beautiful light in in my life at that time. So how old were you the first time you got on a road bike or a tri bike? Yeah. The first time I got in like, you know, clipless pedals where you're like stuck in a bike was I was out of college. So it would have been late 2009, early 2010. And what was that introduction
0: to cycling? Like for you, it can be harrowing for some
1: people. Yeah. I mean, I just remember coming to stoplights and like, very slow. And I'm basically stopped. And I just think, oh, I'm going to fall over right now because I couldn't unclip. And it's just this slow tip over, super embarrassing for anyone around because like nothing went wrong. You just couldn't unclip. And yeah, I just remember that being super slow, super hard. And then I felt really fortunate. I had a lot of cyclists who kind of like took me under their wing. So Tom Schuler, who used to be a pro cyclist, he was living in Milwaukee when I was learning to ride my bike. And he just kind of took me under his wing. And, you know, if I got dropped on a ride, he pulled me up and he actually is the one that on a bike ride, he introduced me to my husband, Patrick, who was a professional cyclist at the time. So I just had all these people in my life who really were patient with me and, you know, didn't laugh at me when I couldn't bike or do, you know, made silly mistakes, but really encouraged me and then helped me. And I think that, uh, just gave me the confidence to, to keep going in cycling.
0: I started road cycling and I guess in like my late twenties. And I had an instance where there was a traffic light and I tipped over in front of a school bus full of like eight year olds. And they were all at the windows, like pointing, going, Oh my God, that lady wiped out. It was very (laughs) embarrassing. So I can, I can relate.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's funny. I mean, the older I get now, I'm just like, Oh, that's so silly and it doesn't matter. And And it doesn't matter. You know, we're learning and I think challenging ourselves to do something new. And I think about, just my son and we have a four-year-old son. And like, if he makes a mistake, he falls down and like, we don't laugh unless he laughs and he laughs all the time. And it's just like, it's funny. And, you know, it's like, who cares? Like we're learning. And I think it really takes a lot of confidence in yourself to be okay with making those silly mistakes where you look ridiculous.
0: I thought it was hysterical and I was totally okay with it until I got in the shower and felt the raw parts on my legs.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's not okay. That's (laughs) not okay. (laughs) I remember a time when I'd like want to wear like full long sleeves and long pants so that if I fell over, it wasn't as harsh. Yes. (laughs) So what ended up being your favorite part of the triathlon? Definitely running swimming. You know, I grew up loving swimming and that was my first love I'd say. And I just kind of got burnt out. And so I, I didn't really enjoy the swimming portion very much and cycling. I loved, but I was just I never overcame the fear on the bike, going fast, technical courses, just, I was scared every time I went out on my bike. And I loved how much you could see and how far you could go, but there was always a part of me that was fearful. So that was like never fully enjoyable. And I just felt like when I was running, once I could get on the run, it just was like me, myself, nothing. If something went wrong, it was because of me. It wasn't because of a mechanical error. It wasn't, you know, anything I wasn't scared. I just felt very free once I got to the run.
0: It definitely says a lot about your personality that you could be so successful at something while still being afraid.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my parents did a really good job raising me and, and teaching me that I can be successful and good at things, even if I don't enjoy them growing up, I played the violin and my mom, my mom had us like me, me and my sister, each, we had to play one sport and one instrument at a minimum. And I picked the violin very young. I think I was like seven because my sister played it. And, you know, I liked it at the beginning stage, but once I got to high school, I was definitely all athletics and I didn't want to waste 30 minutes a day, practicing my violin and going to orchestra concerts. And my mom had me stick with it. And I think for me, it just taught me how to be good at something, even if you don't enjoy it. And I think that kind of carried over into my sporting career.
0: So at what point, I mean, so after you, you win a gold medal in Rio, you have your son and then you decided to switch to running full-time. Was that because you just like running or was it because you were kind of sick of doing this thing you didn't like to do all the time? What, what was the main driver behind that decision?
1: There definitely wasn't one main driver. It was a bunch (laughs) of things. Um, you know, throughout my triathlon career, I would do some like 10 K road races. And I just noticed that my running kept improving every single year. I was becoming a better and better runner. And I was like, wow, like I am, you know, I'm not the best in the world at running. Like I am in triathlon, but I'm definitely at an elite level. And I felt like if I focused on running, I could become an even better runner. And for me, what motivates me are new challenges. And in triathlon, like I wanted to win golden Rio, I did that and to come back and do it again, wasn't exciting, especially when I didn't have this deep love for it. I'm so appreciative and so thankful for everything triathlon gave me, but like, I didn't enjoy doing it every single day. And so for me, I wanted to do something I enjoyed every day. And I wanted to do something that was a different challenge, something that I hadn't overcome yet.
0: When you decided to focus on running was the marathon, the
1: immediate goal in your head? Marathon was the immediate goal for me. It was a a wide range of reasons. One, I didn't think I I had enough speed to do like a 5K or anything um, fast on the track, and and two, I felt like you know in the triathlon it's a two-ish hour race, and the marathon you know is two twenty-two thirty. I haven't gone that fast, but you know that's Mm -hmm. what it kind of takes to be at that level. And so for me, I felt like you know I had that endurance, kind of understood how to do a race that long, and also just the marathon I feel like is the pinnacle of the Olympics. Like when I think of the Olympics, like what's one event that they'll hopefully never get rid of. Like, I think they'll never get rid of the marathon. Cause I think it speaks so much about just running and just the history of it, I think is, is really interesting and motivating for me.
0: And I, I do believe the marathon was what kind of drove the Olympics. Didn't the guy, he, well, he, I think he died at the end of yes, the race. He did. Try to avoid
1: <laughs> that, but yes. Okay.
0: So you had had surgery and you didn't get to do the marathon qualifier for Tokyo, but you did run the 5,000 and the 10,000 meters at this year's trials. Those are shorter distances where you were just saying you didn't think you had the speed. What, what did you learn from those trials this year?
1: Yeah. You know, I was thrilled with my 5k that I had. I went huge PRs in the 5k and at the trials, I think I got ninth maybe, but you know, for the 5k I finished in like almost everyone that beat me, they they close their last mile, like 20, 10 seconds faster than what my PR in the mile is. And so for me, like it was just, I felt like I got the most out of myself in that 5k. And after I had surgery, we kind of knew like, I wasn't going to be able to have enough build to do the marathon. And so we just stuck with building speed and doing 5k, 10k stuff. And I think that that's how you're supposed to build up to the marathon. Um, so I do think it's given me some good background. And now like when I do a hundred or pl- hundred plus mile weeks, it doesn't seem so daunting. Whereas when I first started, when I came from triathlon, I was like, oh boy, I've never gone over, you know, 40, 50 miles. Like doing a hundred plus miles is just my body probably couldn't handle it. My mind was a little behind, <laughs> um, comprehending that. So I think I have a better base now going into marathons. What is your training like now for only running
0: and working up to a marathon as opposed to what it was like when you were training for triathlon?
1: Yeah, you know, in triathlon, I'd get up and run every morning first thing, fasted, which I would never do now, which is just interesting. But I'd get up and run like 20, 30 minutes, super slow in triathlon. And then we'd swim in the middle of the day for an hour and a half. And then in the afternoon, we'd do a bike ride or maybe another run. And now, you know, I get up and it's a lot of like making sure my body's warmed up. So a lot of prehab, a lot of like making sure everything is just flexible and my ankles have mobility and, um, my, you know, hamstrings are warmed up and everything. And so I have to make sure that I get up, you know, at least two hours before my run, I get in some good fuel and I'll go for, you know, I do two runs a day and then I do gym. I do a lot more gym work running only. And as well, a lot more body work just to keep the body healthy with so many miles and so much pounding. It's, it's a lot harder on the body. And so I find that I have to do a lot more prehab rehab and um, body work. What do those two runs a day
0: look like? How are they different?
1: It's changed now that I've changed coaches and I'm with Bobby McGee. So, you know, the only afternoon I have off is Sundays, which was similar in triathlon and triathlon. I only did a long run on Sundays and I'm doing that now as well but the morning run, you know, is anywhere from an hour to an hour 30. And then I'll do like gym in the middle of the day. And then at night, it's more like 50 minutes to an hour. And normally I'll do my harder sessions in the morning. I had a fart like this morning. So just a little speed play and yeah, that's just, I do like the harder workouts in the morning. Just I think because of that's when I race now when road races are in the morning. So yeah. So from a volume perspective, it hasn't changed that much. You're
0: still doing three workouts a day and probably like hours is maybe the same as triathlon.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think I get that question a lot and it just, it's so different. So different. There are days when I would say I run more than I was doing, you know, hours in triathlon, but there are also days in triathlon when I do more hours than I do now running. It's just, it's hard to compare because the training was just so different and so varied. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's it's interesting. So I just had a girlfriend who did London and uh, Chicago marathons the week apart, and she got a new coach ahead of this. And she was doing so much more speed work this time around. It was very different than the coach that she had been working with before. You said you just switched coaches. I think most people think running is running, but how do different coaches with their different training philosophies affect the way you train? And when you change a workout program completely, how does your body respond? How long does it take to kind of get used to that?
1: Yeah, I think everyone's different. But when you change coaches, I think you need at least a year to get used to the coach. So the coach I switched to Bobby McGee, I've actually worked with in the past. And I kind of know his training, know his philosophy. He's very scientific in his approach. He's very, um, you know, we do a lot of runs based on power, which my previous coach, we never did. It was all based on time. And so Bobby's very focused on making sure you know, I'm recovering and what's my resting heart rate. Are we, you know, able to do this work today and what should it be? And yeah, I think there's tons of different ways to get to an end goal. And I also think every person needs different training to reach their potential. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of different training philosophies out there. There's, running is running. Um, you know, I kinda, I believe that in the sense that like, there's no secrets. Um, I share a lot of like, I don't care if people know what I'm doing for workouts. I I just feel like there's no secrets. It's, it's kind of, there's no new secret workout that if you do this one workout, you're going to be amazing. Like that's just not how it goes. So in that sense, I feel like running is just running, but I do think, you know, how you recover, how you do your easy days I'm running, like I said, every day is a double now, except for Sunday. And in my previous coach, I actually would get, you know, about the same mileage, but I'd only do three doubles a week. So that sort of is different as well. And I don't, you know, I don't think there's one that's better or worse. It's just, you know, what fits with your lifestyle and also what fits with how you perform and how you recover.
0: What are you specifically trying to improve right now?
1: Yeah. So I'm working a lot with getting a faster cadence. I've always been someone who, um, I guess you could call me overstrider, but yeah. So I'm working a lot on getting that fast cadence and as well. So I do a lot of that from gym work and then that translates over into, you know, strides and then, um, slowly we'll tra- translate over into racing and training. Uh, we're also working on a lot of technique of like a forward lean, but you know, I'm going to do a half marathon in December. And so that's kind of what we're training for right now. I'm going to, uh, maybe do a shorter race before that, just to feel speed out of altitude. Um, it'll probably be a huge shock to the body, but yeah, so we're just kind of prepping for those things and, and trying to improve my form a little bit.
0: What sorts of exercises are
1: you doing in the gym? Oh boy. I don't know the names of them. (laughs) I work with Matt Pandola and he works closely with my coach, Bobby McGee. And they, um, you know, just do drills that, and I, I don't even know what they are, but like, we just, you know, I have like a band around my chest and I'm doing like quick feet. So I'm getting that forward lean and I'm getting that fast cadence. Um, so things like that.
0: Are there, I always ask this to all the athletes because I feel like we all do things we don't like, and you just said you didn't like the bike. So you probably do a lot of these. Are there any exercises that you love to hate the ones that you can't stand doing, but you do anyway, because you know, they're good for you.
1: I think it's all of my gym exercises, (laughs) you know, as uh, as I think most runners are, we just want to go out and do endurance and the stuff in the gym can be frustrating. Um, I actually, I really disliked gym until I had my son. And, you know, when I was pregnant, I loved going to the gym and I don't know why. But ever since that, I've just had like a different appreciation for gym work. Growing up, I just remember if there was rest between sets, oh, I just, it frustrated me. I'm like, why do we need to rest three minutes? Like, let's go, 10 seconds. I'm recovered. Let's do this. And I think I've really, what's changed my mindset though in the gym and in reps like that. You know, in the gym, I do a lot of, you know, once a week I do some really heavy lifting, but you know, only five reps and then tons of recovery. And I've just learned that you can't get to that highest level unless you take the time to recover that long. And I think I've learned to love, hate those things because I see the improvement from them, even though I don't enjoy them. Do you prefer to run by yourself or with a group? I mean, I think company is always better, but at the same time as a mom, a lot of times I don't have time to go meet somebody. And so sometimes it's just like easier to just run from the door when, you know, I've put my son down for a nap or something. I'm like, sweet, I can go get in a run, come back, um, and don't really miss anything. So I think there's pros and cons to both. I think I'm an introvert. So sometimes like I go out and I just like see the beauty and that's something that I don't really engage in when I'm running in a group. But having friends, like I definitely use running as my social time. So yeah, if I can, you know, run and talk to my friends, it's uh, two things at once I'm getting. When you run alone, do you
0: run with music or a podcast or you just looking at the watch? Oh, well, I don't normally
1: look at the watch, but you know, I'd say 10% of the time I'll run with music those days when it's maybe a double run and I'm tired and it's hard to get out the door, but you know, normally, and especially in my morning runs, if I'm running solo, I'll just go by myself and get out there. And I really do love running. And so it doesn't normally need a ton of music or motivation you ran throughout your pregnancy with
0: your son, Stanley, who's you said four now. Yep. What advice would you give to other women who want to do that, but are maybe afraid to run pregnant?
1: I'd say, listen to your body. Your body is very smart and it will tell you what you can and can't do. I also say, you know, be kind to yourself. Like, so I was, I think every woman is different and every pregnancy is different. So I would like to have more kids and, the next round, I may not be able to run through the pregnancy. They might that may not feel good. I actually felt the worst when I was pregnant swimming, which everyone says you should go swim when you're pregnant, but I would get these awful stomach cramps. And it just felt to me like Stanley didn't like it in there when Mm -hmm. I was swimming. And so, you know, I just, I just didn't swim because I felt like I just had this weird feeling. It felt crampy. And I was like, ah, I just, I'm not going to do that anymore because it doesn't feel right. And I think you can't count on running I think you have to just listen to your body, be patient, be kind to yourself. But also I think, you know, there's not years ago, you know, they said, don't do any exercise. It's not good to do exercise when you're pregnant. And that's not true at all. And I, you know, so know that like, if you're a healthy, it's good to be healthy and active, even when you're pregnant. I think that, you know, that helps you not have just gestational diabetes. It helps the baby. Everyone just feels better, uh, baby and mama. If you can get out and do something active.
0: We've got, you know, more marathons coming up. We've got New York in a couple of weeks. What advice would you give for the the first time marathoners to get the butterflies out of their bellies?
1: Um, (laughs) know what pace you're going to go out at and don't go out too fast. Don't get excited. (laughs) It's probably going to feel easy at the beginning and that's good. And then as well, just, you know, look up what nutrition they're going to be serving on the course and practice with that or bring your own fuel, you know, stuff it in a pocket of a shorts or a bra or something, something that you're used to using. So make sure that it's nothing new on race day, especially with nutrition.
0: Definitely want to talk to you about eating. You said when you were training for triathlon, you did your first run in the morning fasted, and now you never work out fasted anymore. So what does a day of eating look like for you with all of these workouts you've got staggered throughout the day?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think, just to go back with the triathlon, when I was doing them fasted, it was mostly because it, it wasn't a workout. I would literally go like nine, nine 30 per mile pace, pretty slow. It was just kind of like a get up, get the body moving and, and prepped for the different, the workouts later in the day. And now, you know, my first workout in the morning is normally faster. Yeah. So throughout the day in the morning, I normally eat either oatmeal with eggs or toast with eggs, you know, just some carbs and protein. I find that that just, it's pretty well with me and it's pretty bland. Um, sometimes I'll have some berries as well. And yeah, then I have, if I have a hard workout, I work with scratch labs and we actually, Scratch actually created Superfuel for me because I was starting the marathon and said like I don't know I don't have a product that is enough calories that sits well in my stomach and so with the help of me they created Superfuel which has just been a game changer for me um, and I'll use that during my workouts, lunch and dinner. We normally have either, you know, rice, potatoes, or pasta. I love veggies. There has to be like at least four or five veggies with, uh, my lunch and dinners. Like there has to be variety in one of them, at least one of them has to be green. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just, and then we normally have some sort of protein. We've been doing a lot more plant-based proteins lately, and we we still have some meat, but, um, we've been incorporating a lot more plant-based proteins. And so we always have protein carb veggies and yeah, that's pretty much, uh, my day. I know your husband,
0: Patrick was your chef for a long time while you were competing in triathlon. Does he still do most of the cooking?
1: Well, now that we have Stanley, um, and, and he has a job, he didn't have a job back there. And we didn't have a son. It's just a little bit different. So normally I'm in charge of breakfast always. And then I'll normally make Stanley's breakfast, my breakfast. Pat doesn't normally eat breakfast and then I'll pack Stanley's lunch. And then I'm normally on my own for lunch as well. Today's actually a special day. He's, uh, making me some acorn squash soup and uh, salad and some bread. But anyway, Normally I'm in charge of lunch and then Pat like always cooks dinner.
0: Is, is your pre-race meal the same as that pre-morning workout meal, the oatmeal or toast and eggs?
1: Yes. Or, um, you know, one thing that we do is we travel with a rice cooker to all races. And so the night before is always, always rice, veggies, and then normally like a marinara sauce. And then some like Pete and Jerry's eggs, just some eggs on top, some organic eggs. And then the morning of the race, normally in that rice cooker as well, I'll cook oats with some berries. So yeah, it's pretty similar, but we started traveling with a rice cooker, man, back in like, I got sick at a race in like 2012. And ever since then we've been traveling with everything we need to kind of make to cook in a hotel room. That's amazing. Have you
0: done a book on rice cooker meals? You probably should do that. (laughs) We need to.
1: Yes. Everybody
0: living in a studio apartment would greatly appreciate that. uh, It's
1: very easy. And you can do a lot of things like we've done pasta in the rice cooker. You know, you can do rice, you can do oats, you can, yeah, you can do it all. What do you eat? Post race, post race, whatever I'm craving. Mm -hmm. I I'm like somebody who, when we travel, Pat and I used to go and eat cations. So we'd travel places and we'd just like every meal we'd eat out. And like, we wanted to go to the, the place that had like, I don't know, just tons of amazing food. So that's kind of how I experience different places. And so I always want to go to like, what's local, what's super weird, what's something I can't get, uh, wherever I'm living. And so it's just kind of whatever, yeah, is unique around the area. And as well, I'm normally just craving something super salty. So it's probably something super salty. <laughs> Do you have a favorite cheat meal? Uh, we don't really do cheap meals. I really believe that, especially when you're running over a hundred miles a week, you can eat like everything in moderation. And it's something that I, hopefully our son sees as well. You know, we let him have desserts. Um, a lot of times like we'll put, if we're having ice cream as dessert, I'll give it to him with the meal. And he can, sometimes he eats it first, sometimes he eats, eats it last, but we kind of let him choose. And for us, it's just like if I'm, I, don't, I mean, I don't even know what a cheat meal is. Like, would it be pizza? Like we had pizza last night. Would it be a hamburger? We had that a couple of nights ago. Like, I think those things have actually, you know, like a pizza, it has carbs, it has protein and you get a little vegetables in it. So like, I don't know, there's not, I feel like, if I'm craving something, I I don't restrict myself. And I feel like that's one thing, I don't know, especially after you you have kids, like you just don't even care. Like you just, you get the fuel that you need in. And if you're craving something, you, you enjoy it when you're eating it and eat something the next day that has a lot of vegetables. Is there anything
0: that you try to avoid like fried stuff or do you not eat gluten? Or is there anything that you don't put in your diet?
1: No, we don't, I don't really (laughs) avoid anything. Um, you know, I think, you know, before like right the day before a race, I'd say I'm more limited and kind of keep it more bland, kind of keep it to like rice veggies that I know some protein, but not too like, I, yeah, not too much else the day before a race, but on a normal day, it's just, yeah, we don't really avoid anything. So
0: I read something on the internet and I know you can't believe everything you read on the internet, but I was excited to read it because this is something I have been doing every day of my life. And I think that you do too. Dark After chocolate Breakfast. I have breakfast dessert, two squares of dark chocolate. And it like sets me up and makes me happy for the rest of my day. And I don't care if it's not a breakfast food.
1: <laughs> Are you still doing that? Yes, I am. I actually, oh man, I'm like downstairs in my bedroom right now. And look, I got like One chocolate bar, two (laughs) chocolate bars, three chocolate bars. Oh, I like the Alter Eco. What what are your favorites? uh, My favorite
0: is actually Lindt 90%. Ah, see so you know, I love the lint with the sea salt and I like the lint 85 and 90. I just yes. found this Seattle chocolate. That's like a Mexican, really dark with cinnamon in it. It's Yum, so that sounds amazing. Yummy. Yes. <laughs>
1: so anyway, I mean, I'm like literally in my bedroom right now. We have chocolate here. We have chocolate upstairs. Like I always have chocolate. Yes. And I have it after breakfast. I have it after lunch. I have it after dinner. And you know, it's, I don't even think it's like, it's not that bad for you. It has antioxidants. Mm-hmm. And like when you're having the dark chocolate, it's not very sugary. It was so funny. My husband the other day though, like looked at the back of it, the calories. And he's like, this has way more calories than like this one. That's like milk chocolate or whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> it's, but I think it's like actually a really good, I don't think it's bad for you. And it like gives me satisfaction. And for me, it it's almost like a cue that I'm done eating. I don't know. Just like kind of rounds out the meal. It's funny. It, it is to me. I, I think that too, it's a cue
0: that it's you eat it. And now it's time to stop eating and move <laughs> on with the thing. I, yes. I, I, I totally agree. It's like, maybe other people should use it to stop eating. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what are the snacks when you guys travel that you always have in your duffel bag?
1: We always have scratch uh, bars. They have these like marshmallow bars that are amazing that are made with like rice and, um, grains and stuff. We just always have those cause they don't really expire. They don't go bad. And then if we travel, I always make like a homemade trail mix just with a bunch of like nuts and dried fruit, coconut, mangoes, things like that. Yeah. That's about it. Are there any, you've mentioned scratch a few times.
0: Are there any supplements that you can't live without scratch or otherwise? You're saying like,
1: like vitamins and minerals.
0: Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, so so many people are into like the turmeric
1: or the tart cherry or they're using Mm -hmm. protein. Yes. Well, my husband makes an amazing tea. Like whenever I'm starting to get sick, he makes it. And it's just like turmeric, honey, lemon, ginger. And I just love it. That's like something that is like my go-to if we ever feel like I'm getting sick. But yeah, you know, like, and then like supplements, like I take vitamin D, calcium and iron. Those are things that I've just always kind of been a little bit lacking in. And so I do take those. You've mentioned a few times
0: that you've been able to recover pretty well and that your heart rate's coming down. What are you using to track your heart rate and your recovery?
1: Yep. So I have a polar watch, which tracks it every night. And it's been, it's great. Cause I wake up in the morning and it tells me like how restful I've been my deep sleep. Yeah. And it's just a, a great way to know if I'm recovered or not. And what do you do if you are not recovered? I tell my coach, Bobby, (laughs) um, fix me, Bobby. (laughs) Normally, um, you know, it's not often that I have a hard workout when it's higher. And like, I think I told them just last week and I was very stressed and it was like at the time of my period when my heart rate increased. So normally my heart rate increases like two to five beats. Um, but it just raised a little bit higher than that than normal during like ovulation, um, or after that. And Bobby was like, okay, maybe we should just move your easy days to right now. And I was like, uh, I said, I think if I, like, I had like kind of an easier day plan, like no workouts, just two easy runs. And I was like, I think if I just go super slow on these runs, I'll be fine. So it's just this collaboration. And, you know, I did the easy runs those days and the next day my heart rate came down. So yeah, I think that's something though, like with heart rate and tracking it, something that I've really noticed and not to freak out about if you're like a first time tracker and you're a female of your heart rate, it does fluctuate quite a bit based on when you're menstruating.
0: So Bobby will lay out a plan for you for the week with all these workouts that are set up. But if you're not adequately recovered, you're able to be flexible within that framework and move workouts.
1: Exactly. Yes. And even things like if Stanley has something going on, he's pretty flexible and I'd be like, Oh, I got to do this with Stanley. And so we kind of adjust either the time of the workout or the location of the workout, but yes, he gives me the workouts normally on Sunday. And we talk every day, and so just like, how are you feeling? Do we need to adjust anything, um, and kind of go forward like that? So you mentioned that you have
0: a half marathon in December, and then what comes after that? What are the what are the goals with the full marathon?
1: Yes, I'd like to do a full marathon. Um, it's really hard to plan right now with COVID, and so we actually have Bobby wants me to have three marathons. So one, that's like an A1 and two as a backup in case they get canceled or delayed or something due to COVID. So we're in the process of reaching out to, I have two that are like, right. You know, that would be a great fit. Cause they're right next to each other. And I haven't found a third one that's around that, that same weekend. So I'm just looking for a third one, but yeah, we're reaching out right now to them to see if I can even get in, but you know, it'd be like in March ish. March ish. So when
0: you, you'll have this race in December that the, which half marathon is that by the way, in case people want to watch.
1: Yeah. It's us half marathon champs in Hardysville, South Carolina. Very sea level. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you have that one. And then will you do races between then and when you get the marathon or will it be just training? Yeah. I'm assuming I'll go to like another half if they have one just to run it at like marathon pace and and to do some other stuff, you know, like Bobby it's in like three or four weeks. He like had on my schedule, you know, like a five or 10 K time trial or a race. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely doing a race. And so like, I'm still researching like what race can I do? But there'll be stuff like that throughout my training where I can kind of pick and choose. And, um, I always choose races. Cause I just, I love racing.
0: So you're 35 years old now. Is that right? Super maternally old. Yes. Okay. But I do feel like, and you tell me if you think this is true, a lot of the female runners do get very fast in their 30s, their early 40s, even into their mid 40s. Is this something that you are feeling as you get older?
1: That's a good question. You know, I just feel like I'm so young in running. You know, I didn't start, I didn't really run before college and I didn't start until my junior year and then I did triathlon. So I just feel like this young runner and I feel like I'm improving only because I'm, running more right now. Yeah. But anytime anybody brings up my age or I think about it, I just feel so guilty that I haven't had another child yet. Cause I'm like, no, my eggs might die off. And it's like, it's a real thing. You know, my my husband and I are talking about like going to fertility clinics and like, do we want to freeze embryos? Like, what do we want to do? So it is like something that's on my mind a lot whenever somebody brings up my age. So anyway.
0: Well, I mean, I think from obviously having more children is a totally different thing than, than running, yes, running run is something, running is something you could do, you know, if you take care of yourself until you're in your eighties. So yes, I think yes. you're, you're probably golden on, on that front. <laughs> okay. So Gwen, where can folks follow you to kind of just keep up with this journey to the marathon?
1: Yeah. My husband convinced me to start a YouTube channel like four or five years ago. And so we try to update that weekly with either like what's going on in our lives or a training that I've just done a training session or just some tips and tricks. And then as well, that's just youtube.com backslash Gwen Jorgensen, or then um, Instagram, you know, I have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well, which is just at Gwen Jorgensen.
0: All right. Well, I thank you so much for uh, joining us, and I wish you so much luck in all of these races. And I can't wait to see how fast you're going to run when you come down eight thousand feet, because I think you're just going <laughs> to roll right through the finish line. So, good luck, and, and, and you know, just best of luck with all the training. Thank you. This is a pleasure. Thanks so much to Gwen for joining us on Food of the Gods. You can follow her training journey on Instagram and Twitter at, at Gwen Jorgensen and on her YouTube channel as she heads into the U.S. Half Marathon Championships in Hardyville, South Carolina on December 4th. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at foodofthegodspod or email us at podcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production.